Come on, let's see it. Peace. Very good. I feel like I'm in the dark. There it is. Hey, everybody. Good to see you in the light here. Church online, welcome. It's good to be together again, all of us worshiping Jesus. And man, I feel like it's been forever since I have preached. Four months or four weeks is forever, right? Four weeks, that's forever. So anyway, it's great to be back. Great to be teaching the Word of God and enjoying that with you this morning. A lot has happened in my life since I spoke with you last, at least preached last. You know, we sold our house. I think you knew that. Um, and we've moved twice, not once. Once is bad enough. We thought we'd do it twice just for fun. And we're remodeling the old farmhouse. So there, there she is. Isn't she a beauty? And I just discovered yesterday that whole back corner, that white part still in the back, rot. And so I'm going to have to replace the whole thing back there. I had a tooth pulled. Just this week. Isn't that great? That's fun. Got to do that. And my wife graduated from nursing program. She's now an RN. So let's... Woohoo! Yes. We had a private pinning party for her because of the pandemic. They couldn't gather to pin. And that's a big deal for nurses. So we got together our small group and I got to pin her. So that was fun, right? Just had a good time. But the thing I noticed about Gwen and her degree and, and really anybody that goes for you know, a degree of some sort, is the amount of work is unbelievable. She started like 10 years ago working on her undergrad and now finally did the LPN to RN program. And it's taken about 10 years to get this all done while working full-time at Meadow Green. And so she finally accomplished it, and it took a tremendous amount of work studying and writing papers and working at the hospital and doing all kinds of things that you have to do, all the work it takes to get this RN degree. And I, I tell you that this morning to say that, that things that are worthy take a lot of work, right? Things that are worthy take a lot of work. If there's something that you care about, it takes a lot of work to get it or to do it or to accomplish it. And it's no different um, than spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is the same way. If you want to grow in Christ, it takes a lot of work. And so this week we're on week two of the essentials. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about grace and how grace is a free gift from God and that we build everything else on this free gift that God gave us. It's like the foundation. And so this morning I'm going to take you through a little exercise on spiritual growth. And many of you in the room may already be there. You're like, yep, I'm doing this stuff. Well, then just let me affirm you this morning. Just let me say to you, good job. a boy. a girl. You know, let me just say you're doing great. But... One guy came up to me after the first service. He had listened online and he said, Kurt, thank you for the kick in the butt this morning because I needed that from you. And so for some of you in, in, in this room today or online as well, you, know, you might want to protect your butt because it could be a little kick in the butt this morning for you and that's okay as well, right? So the second essential is spiritual growth. It takes work. And I just want to say to the church in general, I'm so proud of you. I really am. Because I know how many of you are involved in Bible studies or the fire or the online study that I do or women's ministry or small groups. The list goes on and on. And I know that a lot of people are involved in their spiritual growth. At the same time, I'm aware of people that really put a lot of time into everything else, growing in a lot of different ways in their life, but just sort of put spiritual growth off to the side. And so I really want to target you this morning. You have a target on you. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about why that's not a great idea. All God wants us to do in response to this great gift of grace that he gave us, this foundational grace, all God wants us to do is grow in dependence on him 
and grow in our character. That's all he wants. He just wants us to grow. Paul writes it like this. Paul says, be joyful. Grow to maturity. God just wants us all to grow up. Encourage each other. Then live in harmony and peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, this is an if-then statement. You know what that is? If-then statement? We used to use if-then statements to write computer programs back in the day. I had to take computer programming when I was in college. Everybody had to. So the if-then statement was a big deal. This is an if-then statement. Paul's basically saying, if you put effort into your spiritual growth, if you encourage one another in this, then you will experience the love and peace that God wants you to have in your relationship with him. But if you don't, you will only experience a minimal amount of the love and peace and confidence that's available to you in your relationship with Christ. So it's an if-then statement. Grace is free, but growth is not. Growth you've got to pay the price for. As Steve mentioned last week that grace is a gift we receive, but after you've received the grace, then it's up to you, it's up to me to respond to this grace and grow in the way that God wants us to grow. Sometimes people come and see me and, and they wonder, Pastor Kurt, why don't I feel as close to God as I would like to? Why don't I have this peace? Why don't I have this love? And I would say, beyond the shadow of the doubt, every time it's because they have not invested well in this spiritual growth process. Paul said it like this, I'm certain that God, who began a good work in you, that's grace, right? He began this good work in you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So we want to unpack this spiritual growth essential this morning. The good work of becoming mature as a follower of Christ is a lifelong work. It's not a work that takes a day or a week or a year or a theology degree. That's not it. This work of growing in Christ is a lifelong work. Until the day you die, until the day you breathe your last breath, God is still working in your heart. Last year, I had the honor, I'm going to call it, of spending some time with a man named Ben, Ben Vanningen. And Ben was a mature follower of Christ, I would say. And he got cancer, and he fought the fight with cancer. And then in the last few months of his life, he reached out to me. I had not met him before. And I got the honor of spending some time with Ben in the last few months of his life. And I got to watch as God took him even deeper than he had been before. You see, God doesn't waste pain. God doesn't waste our, our sorrow or our troubles. God takes us deeper in the midst of them. And I got to watch this man just grow in his reliance on Christ. And God took him deeper in those three months than maybe in the 30, 40, 50 years of walking with Christ, even though he was a mature believer. And it was a beautiful thing to be a part of that. And it just struck home to me that God isn't ever finished with us until we take our last breath. So dependence on God and character are the two areas that I believe God wants us to grow in the most. So that's what I'm going to talk with you about that today. Relying on Him, that's dependence, and how we treat people in our life while we rely on Him. That's character growth, right? How you treat others is really how your character is exposed. And oftentimes I've noticed that this growth comes out of times of pain, out of times of sorrow, out of times of loss. I think that's often the time that we grow the most in our life. You know, Thomas Edison uh, was the one that was responsible for inventing the light bulb. If you look around, you'll see light bulbs in the room. They're not like the ones he created, but he created the first one. And people say it took him like a thousand failures before he actually came upon one that worked. And not only a thousand failures, but like 3,000 different designs before they found the right design for that first light bulb. 
And so my point is today that, that failures are in, important in the process of growing. And they are important in the process. So, so don't minimize your failure. And in fact, don't even look down on your failure. But, uh, but realize that God wants to use your failure to propel you or to catapult you into the next stage of character growth like never before. God loves to use the failures of our life. Now, I've had big failures in my character. Some of those were as a younger man. I I failed sexually. I failed in relationships. And I was a Christian. I was a follower of Christ. And God used those failures in my life to heighten my desire to change. Nothing like failure to make you want to change, right? It's nothing like failure to make you say, man, I don't want to be like I was yesterday. I want to be different today. And so God uses the failures in our life to make us a better person, to make us a better spouse, to make us a better parent. If you're a middle schooler or a high schooler here today, to make you a better child or a better you know, uh, teenager, God wants to use your failure. Now, that doesn't mean he wants you to go fail. <laughs> you know, let's not fail more so grace can abound. But since we do fail... Let's let God use it to propel us into that next stage of spiritual growth. Let me give you an example. Remember when Peter was trying to talk Jesus out of going to the cross? Remember that? Imagine if he had been successful, right? Peter was trying to talk Jesus out of going to the cross, and Jesus turns to Peter, and he says these words to him in Luke 22. He says, Simon, that was his other name, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you like wheat. You know, when you throw wheat up in the air in the old days, the chaff would blow away and the, and the grain would come back down and settle. Um, Jesus is saying, Simon, Satan wants to sift you. He wants to destroy you. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that, number one, your faith may not fail. You may fail, but you won't fall away from me. That makes sense? That's what Jesus was saying here. Your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, in other words, there's going to be a turning point in your life, Simon, when you come back to me, you will strengthen your brothers. I want you to remember those three things because Jesus gives the perfect process for what to do with failure. Here's what he says. Don't let your failure cause your faith to fail. And turn back, again, repent from your sin or your failure. And when you have, then engage the process of using the failure that you experienced and, and God's restoration in your life to strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Jesus... Jesus gives us a perfect three-point way, process, of what to do with our failure. So Jesus perfectly describes a human growth pattern for us. Satan sifts us. He attempts to destroy our lives and disqualify us from Christ's claim on our life. But Jesus is praying for us, it says in Romans 8, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, even in this moment... Your Savior, his work wasn't finished on the cross. He's still praying for you, even from the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you. And after that, after that character failure, in Peter's case, denying that he knew Christ, uh, Peter turned back and he became one of the great leaders of the church, one of the founding fathers of the church. So we find that that. That God often uses failures, trials, temptations, difficulties, sorrows, loss to do the greatest growth in our life. Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, said. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, can you say any kind? Any kind, when they come your way, consider it an opportunity for great growth, great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. 
For when our endurance is fully developed, I've never seen that movie, to be honest. I've just heard people all the time sing it. You will be perfect. You'll be complete. Yeah, oh man, where's he been? Right? <laughs> Needing nothing. When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect. You'll be complete. Needing nothing. That's what God wants for us. He's perfecting us. He's completing us. And he does it through trials, temptations, loss, failures, hard times, pandemics, great opportunities for growth, to go deeper with Jesus, to deepen our dependence and our trust upon him. This is God's goal for you. This is what he wants you to do with the grace that he's given you. God wants this grace to rise up in you, and when you face times of difficulty, he wants you to turn to him in your time of need and and soak in his grace and let him meet you there. That's what God wants for all of us, right? That's what God wants for us. So spiritual growth comes from at least three places. And I know, that, I know there's more than this, but these are the three I picked out for you today, okay? Spiritual growth comes from your relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? He lives in you. From the Word of God and from your own will or your own ability to choose. Spiritual growth comes from those three places. The Spirit and the Word, that's God's part. He's already done it. He doesn't have to do it more. He's done it. He's given you His Spirit. He's given you His nature. He's given you his word. Now it's up to us to grow. And the will is what makes us different from like plants. Here's a plant. This is our plant. It's aloe vera. And uh, Shane pointed out to me that this plant actually does have great value in healing properties. But we're going to ignore that this morning, okay? This is just a plant. Just a plant. And droopy at that, right? Little droopy. Looking a little planty today. So this is what sets us apart from plants is that we have a will. Uh, this plant just sits out in the air and sits in the soil, and we may water it from time to time, hardly ever, and yet it grows. So it's a plant, right? It's supposed to grow like that. But Christians don't grow like that. Oh, you might pick up a little bit through the light that's around you, the light of others, or pick up a little bit through going to church. You might pick up a little bit just from being around Christians. You know, you might open your Bible now and then. But Christians don't grow like plants from the environment they only grow when they purpose to grow, when they pursue Christ, when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his words. And so the first essential that we need is we need the Holy Spirit. Like, like plants breathe air, we need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. We need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Number one in your notes today, God's Spirit is the essential change agent God's Spirit is the essential change agent. The Holy Spirit is the spiritual air that we breathe. Now, I took the word air and I broke it down for you. This is really cool. This took me a long time to do for you this morning. So, the word air means, A, we become aware of Him. You have to be aware of the Holy Spirit. You have to be aware that God really is living in you. Okay, Be aware of Him. That's A. And then I is invite not only be aware, but also invite him into your daily moments. Invite him into those frustrations. Invite him when you're tearing three layers of, of siding off a house like I was yesterday. Invite him into those moments that can be frustrating and hard and commune with him in those moments. And then thirdly, you're, you're aware and you invite. Then thirdly, you respond. You respond to the Holy Spirit and you let him have, your way, have, have his way in your heart. You let him change your heart. You let him change your character. You let him draw you into dependence on Christ in that moment. That's the air that we breathe. Awareness, invitation, and response. 
This is how the Holy Spirit changes our hearts, is through the air of the Holy Spirit that we breathe. 2 Corinthians 3. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, there's your action, that's the act of your will, you turn to the Lord. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil or the separation or the not understanding of God is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So we must turn our hearts, our minds, our lives to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, the Spirit works in us and He makes us more like Him. That's His goal as you give Him invitation to do that. But you've got to turn to the Lord. You've got to spend time with the Lord. You've got to be aware of how He wants you to change. You've got to let Him uncover those areas of your life that are just waiting for His involvement. And then you invite, in every moment, you invite the Spirit's work into your life. How do you do that? Let me break it down. How do you invite the Spirit to work in every moment of your life? Well, like, how do you invite anyone into relationship? Don't you call them? Don't you text them? Don't you talk to them? Don't you reach out to them? And when you get, when you get together with them for coffee, don't you listen to them? Exactly the same thing as you do with the Holy Spirit. You reach out to Him. You talk to Him. You realize that He's in you and with you. He is just one thought away. He is just one thought away. And so you communicate with him, and then you listen to him as he begins to share what he wants you to do and what he wants you to see about yourself, how he wants you to become more dependent on him, how he wants you to change the character flaws of your life. I have them. Anyone else? Can I see the hands? Any character flaws in the room? Good. There's a few. I'm so glad I'm not alone. So the Holy Spirit is the change agent. How does he change us? Number two. God's Word is the essential change instrument. Holy Spirit's the agent. God's Word is the instrument. What does the Word of God do? The Word of God exposes my heart and defines for me what I need to change. The Word of God exposes my heart and defines for me what He wants to see different in me today than yesterday. And it usually has to do with character And it usually has to do with dependence or trust on him. Let me read you from Hebrews 4. This is a powerful scripture that has to do with the word of God. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The Word of God in the hand of the Holy Spirit is like the sharpest surgical instrument you could ever imagine. And if you will submit your heart to the Word of God in the hand of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will separate out your soulish person from your spiritual person. And He will show you how He wants you to change and how He wants you to become more like Him, living in the Spirit more than living in the flesh. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. But... You have to say yes. You have to decide you're going to let him operate on you. So the word of God in the hand of the Holy Spirit exposes our heart and defines what needs to change. 
The Word of God, when I read the Word of God every morning, which I do, every morning I get up and read the Word of God, not to write sermons, but because I want to feed on the Word. When I get up and I read the Word of God, it exposes areas of my life where I'm selfish or where I'm self-dependent. Over and over, even the Psalms, I post a Psalm every day, even the Psalms bring me back to letting the Lord be my rock, letting the Lord be my foundation, hiding in the Lord. I mean, it's endless what the Word can do for you. To adjust you. So the word convicts us. It defines for us where God wants to change us. And God wants to make us more holy. He wants us to be set apart. He doesn't want you to look like the world. The world trusts the world. God doesn't want you to trust the world. God wants you to trust, wants you to trust him. So listen to what Jesus prayed for us. All those that would ever follow. That's us. In John 17, as he was getting ready to leave the planet, Jesus prayed, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So as I read God's word daily, as I long for and take in the word, and I don't read pages and pages, I read short passages of scripture, and then I meditate or I dwell upon that passage for the day. And as I do that, as I read it daily, and I invite the Spirit to bring his sword of Christ's word in my life, true, lasting change comes to my life. Not in a day, not in a week, but over years and years and years, true, lasting change comes. I still fail. I still fall. I might still lose my temper. I might still, you know, get aggravated or frustrated. I might. Okay? But over time, God is doing lasting change in, in the progress of my life as he is in yours making you more and more and more complete and perfect until the day that we get to see Jesus. Amen? So that's what that's God's intention with you. He doesn't want to leave you in the plant stage. He doesn't want to leave you at grace. Now, grace will always be with you, but God wants you to build upon his grace with growth. And growth is the job of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and you. You. You are in charge of your own growth plan. You are writing your own growth plan. So that's what happens. And at some point in my life, I have to say to myself, I'm a person, not a plant. Now, maybe we should say that this morning, shouldn't we? You want to say that together? Here we go. One, two, three. I'm a person, not a plant. A plant just hangs out and takes in a little nutrient, takes in a little light, takes in some water if I'm nice enough to water it. But a person, a person is not a plant because a person pursues growth. A person gets out of their pot of grace and pursues the Lord Jesus Christ through a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the applied word of God in our life. That's what a person does. So I ask you today, in all love, are you a person or are you a plant? Takes us to number three today, our last point. My will is the third essential, my will. So you've got the Holy Spirit, change agent, you've got the Word of God, and you've got your will. Your will is the essential change element. Essential change element. Your will is what decides you're going to do, what you're going to do with what God has offered. Your will. You have the door. You can open it or close it. So let me define an element for you. By definition, because I love words, An element is the simplest or most essential part or principle of which anything consists. 
And for a person, not a plant, but for a person, this most basic element is your will. Your will is what decides how you're going to live today. Your will is what decides what you're going to do when you go through these doors. Your will is deciding right now, am I going to listen to this or not? Pastor Kurt just got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, you know. Wasn't really listening to God this morning. Am I going to listen? You know, that's what your will does. Your will informs all of your decisions and makes your decisions for you. So your will is the third essential. Let me just read one scripture to you that really proves this. Peter wrote, get rid of. Well, who has to do that? We do, right? Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with. Who gets to be done We, we get to be done with, right? God's not doing that for you. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full, a full experience of salvation. Did you get that? Salvation is not just grace, although it is. By grace we are saved, right? By faith in His grace. But the full expression of salvation is this application, this craving, this crying out for this nourishment that will take you into a full experience of salvation. If you stay a plant, you're not experiencing the whole deal. So you've got to decide, I'm going to pursue spiritual growth. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You know, I mentioned I had a tooth pulled. It was this third molar back here. And it was cracked down to the root. And I went through two months of pain and had to go through a you know amoxicillin and that whole thing and i guess i could have left it could have just left it in there right people used to do that i could have left it in there but i think i knew that if i leave it in there it's going to be worse than it was before and it's not going to end well right and so i didn't i pursued pulling it out i pursued getting rid of it why because of all the pain and damage it would cost me like sin Sin causes pain and damage. And so rather than leave it in there and let it just, you know, rot like sin does, rather than do that, I put myself in a chair. I paid a guy $415 to hurt me. (laughs) And it took me three rounds of the local to get me to the place where I could endure the pain. After two rounds, he got in there and was pulling. And I'm like, you know, and he goes, it's not supposed to hurt. Does that hurt? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, you need some more. So he gave me some more. And turns out I've got extra dense bones in my mouth, apparently. What you find out about yourself when you go to the dentist. And so it took too long for the Novocaine to get through the bones. That's what happened, in case you wanted to know. But I did this because I don't want to carry this tooth. I don't want to carry this rod. I don't want to carry this decay. But it was my choice to go sit in the chair. And I know that I can go back in two months and I can get an implant and I get a crown. I'm going to have a crown. Isn't that great? I'm going to have a crown. Because I endured the pain of of the pulling. Catch that? You get a crown when you endure the pain of the pulling. When you get rid of. When you get done with. And that's what God wants to do with our decay. But I want to draw your attention to all the acts of will. All the choices in this text that I just read. Get rid of. Be done with. And then the positive, crave, cry out for the nourishment that God has for us. This is just my opinion. I'm just going to throw this out there. I think 
that the reason we don't crave as much as we could is because we're just not aware that we're hungry. I think that we fill ourselves with so much stuff that we get out of touch with the true desire, the true hunger of our life, which really is the desire for relationship with Christ and deeper relationship with Him. And it's this true desire for relationship with Christ that drives all other desires. I don't care if it's overeating on ice cream, okay? I went to Edeline yesterday. Yes, I did. But whatever you're trying to fill yourself with, Jesus says to you, and, and nothing wrong with ice cream, praise the Lord, right? But, but Jesus says to you, I want you to fill those desires with me. At, at the deepest places of your life, I want you to fill yourself. I want you to cry out for me. I want you to crave me. And I want to be the one that meets you in your deepest place of desire. That's what Jesus says to us. That's what he wants for us. So here's the thing. Change comes hard. I'm not going to kid you. Change comes hard. And it comes over a lifetime. But change accelerates based on your choice to immerse yourself in the word of God. And invite the Holy Spirit to have his way. Invite him to expose and identify the areas of your character that he wants to change. Change accelerates when you pursue growth. It does. And so if you're not growing and you're feeling like, man, I'm, I'm just not growing in Christ. I don't feel peace and love with God. Maybe, maybe it's because, maybe, I'm not saying, but maybe you're more of a plant right now. And maybe God wants you to become more of a person and pursue him the way that he designed you to pursue him. It's the same thing I have to do. And I can tell when I'm pulling away and becoming more plant-like. And then I have to move back into this pursuit of him. Paul wrote this. He said, work hard. Let me just say that again. Work hard. To show the results of your salvation. Or in other words, work hard to respond to this grace that's been freely given. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. All right, let's recap. Let me put it in simple, simple terms. Let's have the worship team come on up. We're going to close with a great song this morning. But let me say it like this. You don't work to get God's grace. Steve did a great job of laying this out last week. That's a gift. You simply believe it and receive it. But because of God's grace in your life, you grow and you desire to grow and you want to work to become the man or the woman that God has designed for you to be. That part of the process, in my experience, only happens through hard work. Growth takes hard work. Change takes hard work. Going through failures, disappointments is hard work. Letting God have his way in my heart when I'm used to having my own way is hard work. But that's exactly what God wants to do with us. So would you stand with me? And we're going to sing this song. I'm just going to ask you to identify with the Holy Spirit this morning. He's our friend. He's, he's, he's the one that's closer than a brother. And lives in our heart. And I just want you to identify with him as you sing this morning. And we know theologically he already lives in us. We don't have to tell him to come from heaven. He's here. He's in us. But sometimes it's good just to ask God as an act of your will. Uh, that you would experience just more of his presence. Okay? So let me pray. 
Father, today we're grateful for Jesus and His grace, the grace that You gave through Him. We're grateful for salvation and eternal life. But Lord, we know that You want us to grow. So as we stand here this morning, those that will, we simply say, Lord, have Your way in my heart. And I want to pursue You more, Jesus. I want to pursue You more. I want to be in the Word. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to change my life. So Holy Spirit, may I become more aware of your presence today than I was yesterday. May I invite you to expose my heart through the Word of God and show me where you want me to grow. In Jesus' name.